Welcome to the Story Weaver podcast. I'm your host, Bronrauk Mitchell. Come, sit with me under the story tree as I weave a tale or two for you. Greetings, I'm Bronrauk Mitchell and today's story time with Bron. I thought for today that I would read from Neil Gaiman's The Graveyard Book, illustrated by Chris Riddell. Rattle his bones over the stones. It's only a pauper who nobody owns. Chapter 1. How Nobody Came to the Graveyard There was a hand in the darkness, and it held a knife. The knife had a handle of polished black bone, and a blade finer and sharper than any razor. If it sliced you, you might not even know you had been cut. Not immediately. The knife had done almost everything it was brought to that house to do, and both the blade and the handle were wet. The street door was still open, just a little, where the knife and the man who held it had slipped in, and wisps of nighttime mist slithered and whined into the house through the open door. The man, Jack, paused on the, la- on the landing. With his left hand, he pulled a large white handkerchief from the pocket of his black coat, and with it he wiped off the knife and the gloved right hand which had been holding it. Then he put the handkerchief away. The hunt was almost over. He had left the woman in her bed, the man on the bedroom floor, the older child in her brightly coloured bedroom, surrounded by toys and half-finished models. That only left the little one, a baby, barely a toddler, to take care of. One more and his task would be done. He flexed his fingers. The man Jack was, above all things, a professional, or so he told himself, and he would not allow himself to smile until the job was completed. His hair was dark and his eyes were dark, and he wore black leather gloves of the thinnest lambskin. The toddler's room was at the very top of the house. The man Jack walked up the stairs, his feet silent on the carpeting. Then he pushed open the attic door and he walked in. His shoes were black leather and they were polished to such a shine that they looked like dark mirrors. You could see the moon reflected in them, tiny and half The real moon shone through the casement window. Its light was not bright, and it was diffused by the mist. But the man Jack would not need much light. The moonlight was enough. He could make out the shape of the child in the cot, head and limbs and torso. The cot had high slatted sides to prevent the child from getting out. Jack leaned over, raised his right hand, the one holding the knife, and he aimed for the chest. Then he lowered his hand. The shape in the cot was a teddy bear. There was no child. The man Jack's eyes were accustomed to the dim moonlight, so he had no desire to turn on an electric light. 
and light was not that important after all. He had other skills. The man Jack sniffed the air. He ignored the scents that had come into the room with him. Dismissed the scents that he could safely ignore. Honed in on the smell of the thing he had come to find. He could smell the child. A milky smell like chocolate chip cookies and the sour tang of a wet, disposable nighttime nappy. He could smell the baby shampoo in its hair. And something small and rubbery. A toy, he thought. And then, no, something to suck that the child had been carrying. The child had been here. It was here no longer. The man Jack followed his nose down the stairs through the middle of the tall, thin house. He inspected the bathroom, the kitchen, the airing cupboard, and... Finally, the downstairs hall, in which there was nothing to be seen but the family's bicycles, a pile of empty shopping bags, a fallen nappy, and the stray tendrils of fog that had insinuated themselves into the hall from the open door to the street. The man Jack made a small noise then, a grunt, that contained in it both frustration and also satisfaction. He slipped the knife into its sheath in the inside pocket of his long coat and he stepped out into the street. There was moonlight and there were street lights. But the fog stifled everything. Muted light and muffled sound and made the night shadowy and treacherous. He looked down the hill toward the light of the closed shops, then up the street where the last high houses wound up the hill on their way to the darkness of the old graveyard. The man Jack sniffed the air. Then, without hurrying, he began to walk up the hill. Ever since the child had learned to walk, he had been his mother and father's despair and delight, for there never was such a boy for wandering for climbing up things, for getting into and out of things. That night, he had been woken by the sound of something on the floor beneath him, falling with a crash. Awake, he soon became bored, and had begun looking for a way out of his cot. It had high sides like the walls of his playpen downstairs, but he was convinced that he could scale it. All he needed was a step. He pulled his large golden teddy bear into the corner of the cot. Then, holding the railings in his tiny hands, he put his foot onto the bear's lap, the other foot up on the bear's head, and he pulled himself up into a standing position. Then he half climbed, half toppled over the railing and out of the cot. He landed with a muffled thump on a small mound of furry fuzzy toys some of them presents from relations from his first birthday, not six months gone, some of them inherited from his older sister. He was surprised when he hit the floor, but he did not cry out. If you cried, they came and put you back into the cot. He crawled out of the room. 
Stairs that went up were tricky things, and he had not yet entirely mastered them. Stairs that went down, however, he had discovered were fairly simple. He did them sitting down, bumping from step to step on his well-padded bottom. He sucked on his dummy, which his mother had just begun to tell him that he was getting too old for. His nappy had worked itself loose on his journey on his bottom down the stairs, and when he reached the last step, when he reached the little hall and stood up, the nappy fell off. He stepped out of it. He was only wearing a child's nightshirt. The stairs that led back up to his room and his family were steep and forbidding, but the door to the street was open and inviting. The child stepped out of the house a little hesitantly. The fog wreathed around him like a long-lost friend. And, uncertainly at first, then with increasing speed and confidence, the boy tottered up the hill. I shall pause it here for now, and I will come back with more of Neil Gaiman's The Graveyard Book. Just a little bit to whet your appetite. Thank you. The Storyweaver podcast intro and outro were created by my editor and tech whiz, Paul Aiken, using licensed music from Stock 20. If you would like to contact me, you can send me an email to thestoryweaverpodcast at gmail.com. Farewell for now, dear friends.